Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spawncast episode 325. Have to record a bit early this time again, like we did last week, because I'm actually off this weekend heading out to the beach, so I'll be gone for about three days. But I'll be back Sunday, which means we'll be back next weekend live in all of this. We went out to too many games this past weekend, but we're back. Max is here with me. How, how was your time at, at the convention, Max? It was very fun. Uh, uh, everybody that came up to us, a lot of very cool Spawncast fans. It's it's interesting to see people in real life. Uh, so uh, we will say the name. There was a particular person who super chats a lot who came up and was just giant and yoked. And I was like, I wasn't expecting this guy to oh, be that's, a bodybuilder. Uh, that's John O. John, yeah, John, John O, o is out. just huge. I don't know. It's it's always fun to see the names in chat as real people and go, yeah. oh, these people are all Shout out cool. to John O. Yeah, we, we, did, we met a lot, of, a lot of people, actually. It was It was a lot of fun there. We did the panel. That was a good time. We we met up with a bunch of people. Mystic Ryan drove in, so it was it was fun. It was definitely fun. We'll be back next year, absolutely. Uh, but we do need to get some. We need to get some other people out there. We need to get. Let's see, MVG. Hello, hello. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'll I'll try come out next year. If we can get Sean out of his house, okay. then I, I will I will tag along. How about that? Okay, so if Sean goes, MVG is going to find his way there also. Yeah. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it work. Okay. And then we also eventually have to get Josie out there at some point. Of course. <laughs> some point. Some point. It's good to have Josie here. Yeah, we need people. You know what, Josie, a lot of people when we were there were saying that they appreciated the the, the younger viewpoint on the podcast. Yeah. Now. So people cool. people were bringing that up. There were a lot of people who came up and said that they uh, they got their switch in middle school and they've been following along ever since then, and they were happy to yeah. see that they had some representation on the on the podcast now. Well, I'm glad. So I'm glad. it's good good to have everyone here though uh, that could make it out for the early recording. We do have a few things to go over. Mostly some questions from the Discord. We have Final Fantasy 16 to talk about. Right, that'll be that'll be that'll be good. And many of us have been playing that. And I did want to touch a little bit on the, the next gen switch stuff because MVG was just burying people on Twitter. So I figured we would we would discuss that very very uh, briefly here. Maybe even our, our anticipation where we think the next system will will sit. Why not? Uh, and I, I do want to bring up our, our our Patreon has kind of soft launched again for the Spawncast, and it's uh, it's becoming it, it, we had some cool stuff coming up. I was setting up. A, a Mario Golf session that we had like a year and a half ago, maybe more than that. You remember that, Max? I do. I still have that footage too. I played. That was a good, uh, good round. <laughs> that was. It, it's pretty funny. I was, I was going back because I forgot all the stuff that happened. I was like, all right, this is this is good stuff. So, uh, the Spawncast plays is happening. MVG is going to do some stuff. Uh, you already have the the Nintendo podcast that launched. So make sure you check out the patreoncom Spawncast. Get involved over there. It's a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's start with a a Discord question. This is I think this one's from V. I think if if you say twenty twenty three is becoming one of the best years in gaming, what would the last best year in gaming be? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. I can I can go with that because that did have let's see the Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Persona Five, right? I know MVG, you were talking about Mario Odyssey being a big one in there. Yeah, I like 2017. Yeah. Say, yep. Let me let me throw out 2018 because 2018 had God of War, mm -hmm. it had Spider Man, it had Red Dead Redemption Two, it had Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mm. It was a good year. Like yeah. Dragon Ball Fighters, The Messenger. I, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where I feel like too, yeah. 
Octopath Traveler. I feel like uh, 2018 is one of those game years that had a lot of bangers, even uh, that we're still talking about today. I feel like you make case definitely for 2018 as as well. So uh, it, was, it wasn't like, too long ago, I guess. I like 2017 and Poor Horizon Forbidden <laughs> uh, Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn Zelda just buried that game, but I mean, Horizon came out in 2017 as well, and that's a fantastic game. Well, so I'm good, gonna stick with good news, MVG. It's getting a, a remaster remake soon, so it'll get another mm. shot at it. Uh, they'll, they'll announce the uh, Breath of the Wild trilogy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just drop right Bre- next to it. <laughs> Breath of the Wild DLC the day they announced it to bury the trailer, too. This is next one up is with a, with a bunch of first party Nintendo games just announced at the Direct. What do you think the next $70 game will be? Pre-orders for Super Mario RPG are at $6, but I can't find the original SNES price, which I feel like could have been $70 back then. It was more expensive back then. That one definitely yeah, was. Yeah, it, it had a Super FX chip in it, if I remember it had, correctly. It, it had, had a chip in it. It had an SA1 chip in it. That's right. Yes. That's right. But yeah, and, it was and specific. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to compare back then with now because... There's a cost, right? If you've got custom chips in the game, like the SA1, like you said, they always add a little bit of extra. They push that back to the customer. Because I remember like the the Super FX games, the SA1 games, they were always, not always, but most of the time, they were a little more expensive than just kind of the regular ones that didn't have any custom chips in them. Yep, and there's a, a lot that goes into those. Like if you open them up, they're they're circuit boards that you're buying. So it's it's not mm. quite on the level of the Neo Geo where they just gave you the whole arcade board basically. But you know, there was more going on than now. Where I pop open the Tears of the Kingdom cart, and it's just this little little chip that's just sitting in there. So a little more going on. Yeah. Oh, here's the next go- first party at game that's uh-huh. gonna be seventy though. I feel like could be Metroid Prime Four mm. if eventually it ever. Comes I agree. Out. I agree. I don't see them putting like this like the new Mario and stuff and all that at 60, unless it's really like taken all their development power, which Metroid prime four pretty much has, I think. There's definitely a case to say that Metroid prime four would be 70 considering it's literally been in development for seven years. Right. Or at least that's what we, we believe. But I also wonder, would that work against Metroid and all the, the good, and, and good marketing and good sales that it's had recently where you add $10 to the price of a Metroid game, knowing that it's not a, a massive seller. Mm. But I do I do kind of lean towards it's probably going to be a $70 game based on the fact that it's taken forever to develop. Well, if it's not that one, I, I bet you it's the next Mario Kart because they already know it's going to sell stupid numbers anyway. They could, they could sell it for $100 and I, people are still going to uh, buy it. Yeah, that I, is crazy. <laughs> I agree with Metroid mostly just because it does feel like already people have jumped from I hate $70 games to people being like, oh, well, well some games are worth $70. Like, I feel like uh, people have been saying that about FF16, that FF16 is such a big, uh, you know, gameplay departure. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a $70 game because you're paying for something new. I could I could see them sort of pitching Metroid that way of like, oh, you're paying for the new era of Metroid. Mm. Speaking of Final Fantasy 16, do we want to do we want to get into our thoughts on, on this title? It released last week, but again, many of us were traveling, heading out to too many games and stuff, so I, I didn't get a chance to really get to it until I got back starting on Monday. And since then, I've been able to play on and off throughout the week, and I think I've accumulated like nine hours or so. But I definitely have done enough to where I have a grasp on the combat, the the tone of the game, some of the direction. But MVG, I know you've been playing quite a bit of it and max you've been trying to like marathon this thing to get it done yeah so let's all right let's get let's get into this what do we think about final Fantasy 16 so far 
Uh, I love it. I I don't think MVG and I both have not beat it yet. Uh, I am gonna I'm gonna try and finish this week and have a video out this weekend talking about it. I have about 36 hours in it so far. It's great. I think my one complaint is, man, is it cutscene heavy? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like I'd say a solid 60% of the game is cutscenes. I've been finding myself doing side quests and stuff and grinding just to have those extra breaks. Because as much as I love the story, sometimes you're like do like a 10 minute cutscene and then a five minute boss fight. And then another 10 minute cutscene. reminds me a little bit of Metal Gear Solid, but so far I love it. I love the characters. I love the voice acting. I love the setting. I love the magic. I love the combat. It's, it's exactly what I wanted. I, I do like Clive as a character as is kind of evolved. I'm not really sure why he's constantly whispering though. Because he's so traumatic. He, he does. Oh, he has like God. the Batman voice going. Yeah, he's got <laughs> A British Jason Statham <laughs> voice. It doesn't really like bother it. me. It's just something I notice. Like it, they're just talking about anything. He just whispers like in this gravelly voice. I, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. You're right, Max. It is. There is a lot of cutscenes going on. Sometimes you just kind of find yourself putting the controller down for a little while. But they try to surprise you, I guess. What with the cinematic strike and the cinematic dodge, and they they just show you a little button prompt, a little quick time event. Uh, but the the demo, I think, set it up nicely, and it's continued on from there. The thing that's weird is. There are definitely some points in the game where they have like super high highs and then it's just like the weirdest lows I've ever seen. And a lot of that plays into the side quests, which uh, everyone is bringing up because it's like you, you go out there and you punch one of the icons in the face and you rip its throat out. And then the next minute you're getting soil for the farmer at the in the town. <laughs> so it's, it's... I will say I've, I've skipped most of the side quests except for the ones that have the plus mm, icon because okay, okay. they're the ones that kind of give you some decent rewards or like one of them gives you a chocobo, right? So you want, mm -hmm. you want to get that one, obviously. There's another one where it increased my potency of the potions. Oh. Um, so if you don't want, if you want to pick up Final Fantasy and you've heard about the side quest being dull, I would recommend just pick up the ones that have the plus icon on, on top rather I didn't than the that. Do that. Yeah, because they, they usually give you good rewards and they're pretty they're pretty fun and most of them kind of tie into the story as well. So okay. uh, I'd recommend that. Some of them you do and it just gives you five hundred gold and I okay. I don't really need I don't know, the gold just doesn't seem as useful so far in the game. I the weapons themselves upgrade and it's just stats it's like you just attack yeah. better you stagger better and that's kind of it i was kind of hoping we'd get weapons that would add elemental effects or secondary effects whether it's maybe poison on strike or or blinding or anything like that it seems pretty straightforward you pay some money you upgrade your weapon and it just it just hits a little harder and you just I, consistently do that i do think um sorry max i, I do think that the the currency thing is kind of weird because I, I i'm with you john like I've got like 60,000 gil and yeah. I have nothing to spend it on. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've got my, my maxed out weapon, at least where I'm in the game and, and everything's kind of up, upgraded already. So there's really no reason for me. There's no reason to spend any more money in the game. So you, you're kind of just collecting money as you go along. I'm, I'm not sure if later on in the game, I'm going to be asked to, you know, fork out a chunk of gil to do something, but I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. I uh, I think I like I don't mind the stacking up money I don't mind like the minor uh, like tiny weapon upgrades I think I wish that the talent tree I wish the talent tree had more passive bonuses like I really like the the phoenix magic mm -hmm. I wish that I could upgrade it so that my teleport attack would would go further or the Garuda grapple hook I wish the Garuda grapple hook I wish I could upgrade it to go further like the way to say is the tree is kind of just 
it's so flat of like you unlock an ability and then you upgrade the damage of that ability. It doesn't ever change it. I kind of wish that they had like some sort of branching trees uh, where you could affect okay. the skills. You know? Okay. That's a, yeah. It feels very RPG light. I will I will say that yeah. the uh, that that's one of the big criticisms I have for the character progression is is what you're mentioning Max the the skill tree just feels very shallow and straightforward but the thing that I I I wasn't sure how much I like it when I played the demo but as I'm going through now the combat is really good. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I I so, I like the combat quite a bit. I didn't really care for the demo honestly like when I played it I was like this is some pretentious BS game. Like, and, and, and like Max said, like you literally walk, there's a five minute cutscene, then you walk a little bit more and then you kill a couple of monsters and then there's another five minute cutscene. It was just kind of getting a little, you know, a little kind of uh, full of itself. And it did remind me of MGS4 in that regard because that's the way Metal Gear Solid 4 is, right? It's just a bit of combat, then, you know, long cutscene, bit of combat. But um, as I've been progressing through the game, the full game itself... I'm just kind of letting the game take me, you know, where it needs to go. And I will say, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was one particular fight, and I don't want to say which it is, but I think a lot of people will know what, it, what I'm talking about. That was just the most incredible boss fight I've ever I've ever played. And after that boss fight, I was like, holy shit, this game is fantastic. I, I'm I'm invested in the game. I love it. Like, I know that there's definitely some downsides to the game um there's some you know criticisms and some people that that don't like the direction of the game but i i love it man i i think the game is fantastic i'm i get i get what they were going for i get the execution um and i'm pretty happy overall with the game it's 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 pretty good i I think the part with the combat that opened up for me, because as you're going in the beginning, you have your Phoenix ability, whether it's like the uppercut with the wing or the you spin with fire, and there's a few other you unlock. But as soon as you start getting other skill tree, trees, we'll say, and you're yeah. switching between them, like you're mentioning with grappling hook to pick the enemies back up as you're fighting or stagger them, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this this starts to make a bit more sense and it opens up and it, it does feel like that devil may cry influence on it, but it kind of feels like that, but sort of taken to the next level almost. And I mean, the, the combat director said, this feels like this is their masterpiece. And I'm trying to envision how much better it gets as you get more of these skill trees. We'll say, because I'm still, I'm still working through getting some of them, but I, the combat's fast. It's pretty, I think pretty satisfying. Everything hits pretty hard and you have abilities to make your combos up as you go. I guess the only thing is I, I do notice that, yes, some of the bosses are kind of damage spongy, but I kind of also think that when I go back through this game in New Game Plus, it won't feel that way because I'll probably be much more powerful. And that's kind of how it is with the older Final Fantasy games. Think of like 10, everyone really likes 10. When you're first going through it, the bosses aren't that easy, but then you go back through and you know you, you might have your ridiculous weapon or something and you go back and fight the final boss and you just crush them. So you get to form the ultimate weapon in your new game plus run. So I'll, I'll see how things feel when you, when you become overpowered. So I have a question for you guys. Are you playing it in performance mode or in, qu in quality mode? I'm playing it in quality mode right now. Yeah. I, Me too. I'm playing it in performance and uh, the frame rate is really weird because I feel like it's it's very smooth until it just hitches. And when yeah. it hitches, it looks funky. Like, this game almost has, like, classic Final Fantasy-style dungeons, and I love that when you're going into, mm. like, a crypt or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it'll be, like, fine when you're going into it. It'll be fine when you're fighting. But then when you're going to, like, a random door, the frame rate, like, 
where I think it's like trying to populate the next area. And every yeah. time that happens, it's always just like, whoa, whoa, that's really weird. It's like really immersion breaking. I played the demo in performance mode and I, I wasn't really sure why people were critical of it because it kind of felt fine to me for the most part. But when I started playing the game proper, I started in performance mode and I, I, I experienced what Max was talking about pretty early on in the game. Also, I feel like the cutscenes are locked at 30 anyway. So it's quite jarring to to play in performance mode and then it just, you know, automatically goes into a cutscene that's running at 30. Mm. So I just dropped it to to uh quality mode, 30 FPS. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the preferred way to play it to be honest with you. That's how I had to play Jedi Survivor anyway. So I went from that to this and it's like, well, I just the frame rate is just all over the place otherwise, so whatever. Get that pro. We did we need it. We need it next year, right? Next next holiday. I'll be ready. I'll, keep <laughs> I'll be ready. Yep. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it. I, again, I still have quite a bit to play. Square Enix had to come out with it when I'm not really at home as much as I'd like to be. But you know, next next week I'll really be on it and try to get it done, finish it up then. But Josie, are you going to play Final Fantasy 16? Once it goes on sale, for sure. I just. I think this <laughs> is. Have you played a Final Fantasy game before? She it's tried. Okay she tried. She tried. She tried. I tried. Which one? Oh, you played seven. Yeah. Did like you play Seven one. Remake or the original? The original. So it's a little crusty, right? It's not that good. Yeah. The yeah. turn base, the turn based combat wasn't doing it for. Her. I think you'll like Sixteen. I think the only thing is just be prepared for a lot of. It's like a. It's like watching a movie, basically being part of a movie. If you want to, you know, engage in combat, really, really cool Devil May Cry style combat, and then like have a five minute cutscene, uh, and then more combat, more cutscenes, you'll get a kick it out is... of it. But I think. I think it's pretty accessible for people that mm. that haven't really experienced Final Fantasy before. I think it's a good way to get started into the series. It it is a really good way, I think, to also show off your PS5 a bit. Like if you just got your PS5, you're looking for a game that can graphically showcase it a bit. This is this is probably one of them, I would say. Uh, especially with some of the boss battles and like if you just want to see what your PS5 can do, fire it up, quality mode and just go to town at all. It'll definitely impress the people in the room with you, probably. So they, they don't know that you're not doing all the cool stuff on the screen at once. <laughs> this, yeah. this does something I feel like other Final Fantasies don't do as much, which is that like being as vague as possible, this game just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They start there's more enemies in every fight, boss fights are longer and crazier and have more phases. I feel like a lot of Final Fantasies like set the pace about ten hours in and you kind of cruise control through it, and I like that. But it's crazy that this feels much more like almost Michael Bayish at times, where it just gets bigger and crazier. And every, like, I feel like every act of this game, I'm like, they can't possibly top this. And then the end of the next act, I'm like, they can't possibly top this. Yeah, I love that. And I, I like Clive as well. I think Clive is cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had I'm run a, a Sid, Sid best character in game Sid. I had run a poll on the on the community tab about the combat. Because people, of course, say that this isn't a Final Fantasy game. That was my other question, is what makes a Final Fantasy game a Final Fantasy game. Um, but I asked specifically about the combat to see if this action-based direction is a big turnoff for people and turn-based has to come back. Because I, I saw that discourse online a lot. 19% of the 22,000 votes say that turn-based needs to come back, which means that 81% of people are perfectly fine or like the direction now of action. Yeah, I mean, when was the last turn-based FF game? Was it... I mean, 13. 13 13? was that. Yeah, but you you only controlled your one person in 13. Uh, Yeah. 15 was basically... I mean, it was basically action. You'd pause for different menu selections and stuff at times, but 
Mustaine was the boy band in the car. Yes, it was. Oh right. my god. Yes, yeah. the slander, the accurate slander. <laughs> 12, 12 Dude, I, love, the... I love 15. 15 is so I cheesy. Love... It's it's awesome. It is, yeah. 12 yeah. was like the Gambit system. 10 was the last right. one where it was turn-based, and that was probably the most accessible turn-based because yep. you could switch characters in and out on the fly. You could summon all kinds of different you know, creatures and stuff and, and take control of them. So there were a lot of ways to protect your party on the fly. Uh, the last true turn-based, probably 9. That was probably mm. the last I, one where they were mm. just like straight up. Okay, this is it. This is this is turn based. How we know it. I I'm gonna make a crazy prediction. Right right down the this prediction that we're recording this on uh, June 29th. You see, notice all the little pixel sprites and stuff in this game. There's a lot of like references to old school 16 bit. Mm. Yep. I think I think they're gonna make an official demake of this in two years. I oh. think that there is a separate version of Final Fantasy 16. I bet. That's made to be like either for mobile or for Switch or something like that. Mm, something about that. that stuff. It looks so high quality and the music in this is so good. I'm like, bro, it to me it feels very classic Final Fantasy in the vibe and aesthetic that if they decided to do like a, a purposeful demake of this, I think it would sell I would crazy amounts. I would play that. All right, so would I. Hell yeah. Would it control yeah. would it control like uh Secret of Mana or something like that? Or no, I action? I think it would be turn-based. Wow, I think there's a that'd be interesting. I think there's, I think there's a separate version of this game that looks hmm. just like Final Fantasy VI, top-down sprites. But I think it's the same story and everything. Okay. I bet I, I have that feeling. Well, based on the internet, that should outsell this one then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think, I think Square is going to make a big push for a lot of action-based. Like when Final Fantasy X gets remade, I think they're going to, I think they're going to mess with that combat too, and people are going to be annoyed. I think oh. Dragon Quest Twelve is going to cause a firestorm on online, <laughs> so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting times for them. But I don't think the turn-based party system is uh, is as missed as the internet's kind of making it out right now. So yeah, at least not to the mainstream. I think the mainstream's okay with this. So yeah, what this sold how many three million three million? So just uh, like like eight percent attach rate on it so far that's actually the fastest selling ps5 exclusive so far is final Fantasy 16 it's good numbers yeah yeah right now for the ps5 i'd say so um it's at an 88 on metacritic right yes yep 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 so i think i think they can continue building off of it but i, I do believe you can see some of their mmo influences with the side quests and stuff and a lot of that got called out so and i think 88 is about right for that mm -hmm. game like it's 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 really really good could it be better? Yeah, there's definitely some polish that could have been added. There's a couple of things that I feel like they could have done to really propel that into the 90s, but I'm pretty happy with 88. I think it's, it's the right good score for it. Yep. I, I haven't finished it yet. I am working on a big giant review that should be out maybe by the time this podcast gets posted. I'd probably give it around like a 92, but obviously I have not finished it, so maybe the, the, I've heard the ending is cheesy, so maybe that'll lower it to an 88. But Okay. I think you would like the game, Josie. It is, uh, I think, a Final Fantasy Last game that year. a lot of the, the newer generation will get behind and enjoy. So throws yeah, the turn-based stuff check it out. out the window. So I think you'd, think you'd enjoy it. Uh, but I guess the la I guess my other question is to you, to you guys, because this keeps coming up, what in your mind, if you look at Final Fantasy, what, what makes you think that it's Final Fantasy? Do you have I mean, any, any anything where you go, this is it. Okay, yeah, this is Final Fantasy. Gil... <laughs> Chocobos, Chocobos, the music, the the Ifrit, you know, the the, the big boss battles, the, the summons, I, yeah, the summons. 
you know, I mean, just kind of the staples of Final Fantasy, I, I feel like. I think you're absolutely right with the summons, though, MVG, because when we were seeing Diofield Chronicles get shown off, they did basically a summon of Bahamut, essentially, and everyone was like, oh, is this Final Fantasy, right, in the trailer? And they're like, oh, Diofield Chronicles, I don't know what that is, new IP. That's definitely something that sets people off, is that I don't think it's the combat anymore. It used to kind of be the combat back in the day. Oh, it's turn-based. Okay, it has kind of this fantasy vibe to it with some medieval or ancient tech setup. That's Final Fantasy. Now it's, yeah, I think you're right. It has its core staples, and and that's mainly what defines it. Yeah. There is also kind of a subtle art style as well. Mm, uh, yes. People on Twitter have been making side-by-side comparisons of the characters like uh, Sid and Jill and stuff in FF16, and it's crazy how they're almost wearing the exact costumes of particular characters from Final Fantasy Tactics, and you realize, like, oh, yeah, like, even if you don't acknowledge it, there's definitely this, like, it always feels like you're part of the same timeline, even if there is different graphics and combat music. It still feels like, you know, these are the same universe somehow. Yeah, plus, and the music, like, you know, when you beat a, an encounter, it's got the... They do have a really cool one for Final Fantasy. I like the one for 16 when you beat one of the big bosses. They have, like, the orchestra kick in and stuff. That's pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. I think they also mentioned... The developers, producers mentioned crystals as well. That being a big thing that they need in all these Final Fantasy games. But I, uh, I hey, you know what? It, it, it does. I know it's it's got the action vibe to it, but it still has that Final Fantasy flair to it. So uh, yeah, I think good yeah. entry, good entry for Square. What they've been able to accomplish here, I am curious what Final Fantasy 17 will look like five or six years or whatever from now to see if they stick with this action based and continue to build on it, or if they do something else. But I guess for them, next up will be. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which I am anticipating significantly more than I was for 16. So, exciting stuff there. Which, oh, actually, Josie's going to have to play Seven Remake before then. That's mm-hmm. right. Don't bother. Don't bother, Josie. It's not that it, good. What? It is a requirement. What? Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you now Josie's not going to like what? Why? It's action-based. Because it's so grindy and long. And oh, it's There's parts bad. of that it's game where it's 30 just hours. Like... It's like a 30-hour game. And it's in the subscription service. So when you're signing for PlayStation Plus, you can just download and play it. Oh, it is? Yep. Mm -hmm. It is. Get it. Yep. You can just download it, play it. They have the PS5 version, I believe, on there as well. And uh, it runs at 60 frames on the PS5, like, outright. So, And you don't need to play 7. Technically, it'll help with the context, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Some questions. It says, considering this slow drip approach, when do you think the NSO libraries will be completed? For reference, the 3DS and Wii U Virtual Console libraries were fully available before the Switch launched. I don't think it's going to be completed um, for a while. I mean, I feel like they're going to just keep drip feeding games, right? Like, we know that there's more N64 titles that have been announced, and there's probably a bunch that haven't been announced. There's GBA titles that are, are coming. I expect to see Zero Mission on there at some point. I mean... I, I don't feel like it's going to be done. Like, I, I feel like when the Switch ends its life cycle and we're going to talk about it, but next hardware, I think NSO is going to just carry over to next next generation. So I don't think it's going to be done for a while, honestly. I think this is going to be it. Right, know, that was time. mentioned in the investors meeting, gathering the shareholders, where they... A lot of, they had a lot of questions about Nintendo's next system. How are they going to handle the transition? What's going on with NSO, basically, the Nintendo account? Where Nintendo mentioned they have like 290 million people signed up for a Nintendo account at this time. And Jesus. that has to do with mobile 
as well as, remember, at the theme park, they track your coins and stuff you get. So people who are going there to sign up for the mobile app are also being entered into their system. And, uh, and then with Nintendo Switch, all of that they have under one umbrella. So that's a big thing they're trying to transfer around. And they were pretty coy still on backwards compatibility. They did not outright mention or say anything about it. Just that they want to have NSO or their, their Switch accounts transfer over. So I still no confirmation for backwards compatibility, but uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Evie? Do you feel a little better about it now? Um, I mean, I don't really know like what what's going to happen here. I think Furukawa didn't mention it because he probably can't talk about it right now. Mm. Um, I do think that there's going to be some way that you can play your existing Switch library on new hardware, whether that be patches that get updated um, or if it's true backward compatibility. Of course, you know, I made a video about this a few months ago and it was very polarizing. A lot of people got mad at me because I was, you know, basically poking holes in the backward compatibility story. But I do think that Nintendo will come up with a solution, um, whether that is, you know, your digital library will be available um, may not be all on day one. It could be, you know, something that kind of gets added as as time goes on, potentially something like that, where they do offer patches and updates. Um, or, you know, may, I think a lot of people also, you know, hopeful that they will just allow you to um, put your old Switch cartridges or your existing Switch cartridges into the new system and, and play them. I think that is the ideal scenario that that I think a lot of people are expecting. I think Nintendo would like to do that, but um, I guess we'll just have to see. I, I don't really know. Like, I, I think that Furukawa didn't mention backward compatibility specifically because it's probably nothing that he can really talk about at this mm. time, you know, unfortunately. A lot, of, I want it to be- a lot of interest by investors. Go ahead, Max. I just want to say, I hope it's exactly like the DS because I've been playing mm. a bunch of DS while I was traveling, and I actually it just the design-wise of new games go on top, old games mm-hmm. go on t- bottom. I want them to do that with the Switch. That was cool. That's why the DS is the GOAT, man. Because you, you, not only is the DS an, a fantastic library, you can, like you said, play GBA games as well, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic library. So if they can somehow manage to pull that off on next-gen, um, next-gen is going to be ridiculous. Battery good. life was sick on that DS Lite, too. It was. Mm-hmm. It yeah. lasted like 20 hours. It was pretty good. Uh, I, I actually think that's going to be a real problem if they don't figure out that backwards compatibility. I, I think a lot of people are going to be pretty annoyed with that. <laughs> I would be annoyed because they never gave us the Switch Pro, which means some of these games will never get that, like that, I guess the roof kind of raised on it because it's stuck at some low resolution, some sketchy frame rate, unless they port them over and sell them to us again. <laughs> what do you think, Josie, about backward compatibility? Do you care about it at all if they bring out new hardware? I care about it a lot. I think they, I think they really should because I've invested a lot in the Switch ecosystem, and I'd rather mm. they, they don't keep reselling me the same games over and over. Um, I think there's a possibility because for their handhelds, at least, they pretty much have consistently made them backwards compatible. Like even the DS and the 3DS, you can play your DS games on your 3DS, DS, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so if they're following that track record. I feel like it could work, but I think the really the main thing why we didn't get it from Wii U to Switch is just the change in mediums. Mm-hmm. So if they stick with like the cartridge based or whatever the same medium that they're using for the Switch is, then I feel like it's kind of a no brainer. But yeah, 
Nintendo doesn't really do what makes sense all the time, so we shall see. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they have a, a way to put the cartridge in the next system, but halfway through the generation, they just make an all-digital one. They'll do, like, a light version of it or something, just get rid of all cartridge slots. True. And that'll be that. So I don't mean... think NSO is... I think it's just going to be an ever-evolving thing because there's always going to be more consoles added. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. hypothetically, with the next console, they could add GameCube. Like, you know, I, there's always going to be more stuff to to put on there. Like, even with Virtual Console on the Wii U, they went all the way up to the Wii. So they have a lot of Yeah, like, they stuff. could pull from the Wii. Virtual Boy's still out there. That's a big one. Yeah. We do, we do I mean, we, we know that they have, they have a GameCube emulator like in their back pocket so yeah they could yeah. they could easily have that available on the next gen i wouldn't mind them figuring out ds in some way for it yeah. that'd be kind of cool whether it's like right. you have your system of the tablet Wait, you, you flip it vertically and you, you split it, it. yeah, yeah you cool. think it's going to be a foldable dual screen i still think i still think they play around with the foldable screen tech i i kind of think they do I, i'm wondering hey I'm they wondering. Won't, man. no they way won't. i'm like, wondering that isn't the faulty rate on that way too high still? Let me tech? let me let me take you back to uh, what was it, two thousand and nine? It was it, a different time. Like we're talking about an era where, like you know, little Johnny's <laughs> just gonna like smash that. Let me thing take you in back half, to two thousand and nine, right? and we'd be sitting here. And I'd say, you know what? I think Nintendo, what they're gonna do with the next DS, they're gonna play around with glasses-free three D. People would think I was crazy. Well, little kids are going to be playing <laughs> Mario Kart. They're going to lose the race right at the last minute because of the red shell. They're going to rage quit, snap their, <laughs> snap their switch two in half. It's not happening. Glass is going to shatter. Yep. Oh, yep. Lawsuits and all sorts of things. Nintendo doesn't want that stuff. No, they don't want to do that. Easy gimmick. <laughs> uh, then MVG started burying people on Twitter because Bobby Kotick talked about uh, the next switch with PS4 and Xbox One thrown in there when it sounded like he was just kind of guessing at it. Which, by the way, is it weird that Activision? I mean, he's under oath. He's up on the stand. You know, they're asking him if he had it. He would have to say, "Yeah, we know the specs." Is it weird that he just testified and said Activision doesn't know what the specs are for Nintendo's next system? I mean, I think it's a very, very honest response. Like, it, it seems like no one in the industry, except for a few first parties that that you know we're not really privy to aren't really sure about what the next hardware is going to be quite dev kits are out there though i saw it are they i thought they were right we're, we're just, we're, out there? would it just be that <laughs> also I, I do want to throw out there uh, i'm a big fan of blizzard i follow a lot of all the major big blizzard content creators and stuff and people make jokes that bobby kotick doesn't know anything about like he's a, a brilliant businessman but he doesn't actually know what's going on like the joke people make is uh when's the next world of warcraft expansion coming out like wh what the hell's world of warcraft so it's like he may not know the specs but people in his company may know the well specs. what's interesting though about that max is he recalled his time with the wii and the switch and he said he saw the wii prototype early and was on board with it which I believe him because we actually got a lot of Call of Duty games on the Wii. Shockingly, they made it work, and you can still play mm -hmm. them online now to this day yeah. on the Wii. Service so up. Uh, but he saw the Switch prototype and said, "I that sounds weird. I don't think that's gonna work. There's too much involved. You guys are coming off the Wii U." And he said, "Yeah, I was wrong. Just sat there in the in the seat in the middle of the courtroom. Yeah, I should have. We probably should have made Call of Duty for it. It's a little late now, but we probably should have done it. They're on three year cycles, by the way, for Call of Duty. So in their mind, if they start now, or even if they start last year." the next system might come out by the time they're ready. So I guess that's kind of where they are now. But uh, interesting that he doesn't even know the specs, apparently. 
but he saw the prototypes, the other two systems, I assume, well before they released. Yeah. I mean, th- there was a lot of confusion about what happened yesterday. And look, I'm not really faulting media outlets for running this story because it seemed like the narrative was going around that the next generation of Switch was going to be at the same level as a PS4 as far as specs or as far as performance. Um, but that's obviously not what was said at all. He basically said, I don't know, but if I was to guess, it's probably going to be around around this, right? Which is yep. a different narrative than what, you know, Nintendo, everything, and was it Dextero, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. were talking about. So I was very quick to correct them uh, about that. But look, I think that the I guess the takeaway from all this is, um, you know, we are expecting new hardware to be announced. Maybe it's going to be later this year or early next year. We are expecting new hardware probably next year. If I was to, to guess, maybe later on in the year uh, next year. But you know, I think spec wise, I think Bobby Kotick is probably accurate as far as what he thinks the next generation is going to be going to be in terms of performance which is going to be around ps4 levels i think that's that's a mm-hmm. pretty safe guess to, to assume right like 1080 visuals um you know in a, in a handheld or hybrid fashion if they're just going by the, the raw power of it they i mean that's four to five times jump from what we have right now with the switch and i feel like a yeah. lot of people would be Fairly satisfied with that, especially since it would still be newer technology than what's cur- currently in the PS4 and the Xbox One. Those are older chips, and this would be a newer chip from NVIDIA. Uh, prob- I mean, the word's been DLSS for a while, but some sort of sophisticated upscaling technique, more so than what we saw with the Xbox One and the PS4. Bunch of little tricks here and there, I'm sure, to make it make it probably work out for 4K on the big screen. Um, but it, at least from what his point of view... It, we could probably get Call of Duty on the next system. That's what they were trying to get him to say. Yeah, we could do it. And uh, I, I, th- I think they can. And I think they mm-hmm. will, actually. Even let's say things go south, this whole deal doesn't work out. I actually think Activision will get Call of Duty on the next device because they saw right. what happened with the Switch. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. agree. Well, I think a lot of people, because I think both fans and developers, a lot of people woke up to the Switch really quick. And a lot of people tried to, I mean, look at all the ports of stuff like The Witcher. Like, I yeah. think people realized, oh, It'll sell on Switch if you can get it to run good on Switch. So I think Call of Duty definitely realized, oh, we probably left a lot of money on the table, not even I mean, porting. Call of I Duty was, Remastered didn't even come to it. I was kind of the same when the Switch came out. Obviously, Breath of the Wild, you know, was was the game for me. But, like, when I saw them announce Skyrim and Doom, you know, Doom 2016 and, and The Witcher, I was like, whoa, this is not just a, a cute toy we're talking about. This is this, this got some, you know, some some hardware behind it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the third parties want to jump on next generation. Um, and I think Activision will probably, I mean, hopefully they'll they'll look at bringing Call of Duty to Switch because I think, number one, it will sell very well there. But also, you know, it's, it's look, Call of Duty, people love it, people hate it. But if your system has Call of Duty on it, then people are going to be playing your system. You know, simple as that. Yep. So I think it's the right, right move. Can, can we briefly mention, did y'all see the, the crazy statement that Jim Ryan said there's 1 million people on a PlayStation 5 and only play Call of Duty? Yep. They, like, looked at the numbers. That's crazy. <laughs> so, like, they've sold three, 30 million PS5, so that means, like, what, a third of a percent only play Call of Duty and no other game. Well, they also like mentioned really that, like, I, I think it was a couple, like, four or five million people who own a, a PlayStation 5, I guess, have spent at least 30% of their time playing Call of Duty. <laughs> 
That's or something. The, it's basically the they, they heavily re- re- rely on Call of Duty specifically to hold up their subscription service, their PlayStation Plus, because you got to buy a, essential at least to play Call of Duty online. And I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons they're freaking out a bit with this is because of, of their subscription potentially taking a hit if Call of Duty people leave. Mm. My old roommate had a PS5 and he only played Warzone. Yeah, that was there you it. Go. So that's crazy. People do it a lot. Yeah. Yep. And the microtransactions involved with that are pretty consistent. So there's a yeah. lot of money. I think what Sony mentioned, like 800 million to a billion dollars or something in revenue, maybe more than that came in from Call of Duty in like a year or something. So yeah. <laughs> none of that's shocking to hear. None of that's shocking to hear. Uh, but let me let me go over to there we go. Some of the questions. Uh, this is from oh, this is from Toxic. If anyone is looking forward to City Skylines 2, what's everyone's most look forward to new feature? Uh, mine's going to sound cheesy. I'm super excited for that game. Honestly, I the part of the trailer I loved is just super zooming in and looking at individual cars driving around and the people actually like the city being built. Like uh, That game looks like it's going to be fun, but also it just looks so zen. I don't get into like farming games. My thing is just city builders. I love city builders just for that weird essence of like, let me see the lights turn on at night. Let me see the plumes of smoke of a power factory I built. I, I want that kind of a- aesthetic. I feel like I was really into SimCity back in the day, but I just didn't get into City Skylines, unfortunately. Same. SimCity yeah, I've never been into these types of there's, games. There's busy work games, man, give me anxiety. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. can't. I just, I just want to. You're never done. Exactly. Never done. I just want to shoot people or, or you know, <laughs> maim people in games. That's all I care about. Well, here, I, I'm weird. What I do is I mute the game and then I just listen to podcasts, and uh, that's like yeah. my like two two hours a day. I just sit there and build stuff. This is from uh, this is from Abram saying indie fighting game Skullgirls announced this week. They make making changes characters aren't in the game to better reflect their values and broad vision. This is mainly focused on stuff that was of the sexual nature or resembled real world hate groups. What do you think? Should existing games get content updates like this years after release? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I would say we always talk about developer vision and if, if their views change, as long as they weren't like forced to do it, as long as they like force the artists out and the new artists are replacing the old artists work, hmm. I guess I saw a lot of people freaking out about it, but to me, it seemed like one girl's panties got covered up. Her dress, instead of blowing up, is blown down. I don't know. It's, it seemed like the changes are pretty minor, but I don't play Skullgirls, so maybe the... Uh, yeah, I don't really play Skullgirls the, either, so I'm not sure. Those I've, are, never, I've never played the game. What the extent of like, the changes are. They, they must have been really plot-important panties. Um, from what I heard, they, there was also a lot of Nazi iconography or something, and they edited that out. And hmm. some people were like, oh, I want, that was part of the story or something. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with the source material or what kind of changes they made here. Uh, let's see. Chris says, for those of you who use review scores, if you give a game a 10 out of 10 and it gets a sequel that surpasses it in every way, think Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, do you retroactively change the score of the previous game or give the new game no, a perfect score as well? No, because you, you got to treat the game on its own merits at that time, right? Like you can't, you can't like review Breath of the Wild in 2023 and pit it against Tears of the Kingdom. At the time when it, Breath of the Wild came out in 2017, it was a land-breaking game. It was, it was a just a, a complete departure from traditional Zelda games, and it was very, very good, right? Um, so you can't you can't go back and, and say I'm gonna take this game cherry pick this game from like 2015 2016 whatever and 
and review it again next to the sequel. It, it's just not it's not a fair comparison for me. I I think personally, and may, maybe I'm weird here. I think every time I've ever given a game a perfect score, and then like five years down the line, the sequel comes out. I think every time it's been at least a point or so lower. I, I think for me, a lot of times games are wow factor it's like wow i can't believe they did this i can't believe they made a fully digital new york city to swing around in spider-man so like i feel like that gets diminished that as excited as i am for spider-man 2 i feel like the scores are going to be a little bit lower than spider-man 2018 or you know the scores of god of war ragnarok i think were like half a point lower than god of war 2018 so uh, we'll yeah. see but i i the idea of lowering a score i know some websites do that like redo their scores later i i think that's mm. stupid no, it is a snapshot in time anyway based yeah. on where the industry is and what's yeah. going on like if you go back and review some of those old games now that did really well it would probably be lower yes but it's i think it's good to keep it where it is for that that kind of where we were at the industry i mean josie you keep reviewing games from way back when and it's <laughs> uh doesn't doesn't age the best at times <laughs> no well yeah that's like i don't know i feel like that's a little different too because it's like it's like a whole generation of gaming that i didn't experience but if I were to go back and be like, oh, Breath of the Wild doesn't matter anymore because Tears of the Kingdom did everything better. It's like diminishing everything that Breath of the Wild brought to the table. It yep. like created the world that Tears of the Kingdom built off of. And you probably say that for some of the bad scores I've given games. But I don't know. Personally, played... I don't think about it deep enough really to like get into the nuances of that. To be Have honest. you played Ocarina of Time yet? Yeah, a little bit. I haven't oh, finished it. interesting. Okay. Do you okay. Th do you think it deserves a ninety nine Metacritic, <laughs> which is the highest rated game <laughs> ever of all time? That's no. it. Yeah, no. I know because it's not as no. good as Link to the Past. Just say it. Yeah, it's okay. I think it deserves. No, that's a 99. actually true. It's not. I mean, Link to the Past aged better. <laughs> See, there it I is. think it deserves a ninety nine. Like I was. I mean, when it came out, the game was. I know it was. It, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It. It was. It was. It just completely just changed video games for me. Yeah, but we, we all looked back at the. At the flat it's texture kind of, chain and said yeah, it's never it's, getting any better I, than this it's kind of crusty now and you know um <laughs> it kind of needs a kind of needs a remake or whatever but like Ooh. you know i i feel like if you went back and lowered that score you'd be doing a disservice because yeah. at the time it was it was like breath of the wild you know for the n64 it was just uh mind-blowing and and completely game-changing in so many ways yeah, I, I think you have to take that's, into account how the effect it has on the industry and people around it as well. Go to Josie. Yeah, that's what I try to do with those like retro ones. I like talk about how I understand that they're super important. And then I just like drive home that it's just about it. my experience. <laughs> well, like when I talk it. about them, it's only like I'm not basing it off of what other people. It's just my own experience with the game. So now your Metroid, yeah. your Metroid review is good. People should check oh, it out. Oh, the one I just made? The, yeah, 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 yeah. You know it's good when people are mad. Metroid. Yeah, they were mad. <laughs> you did your Zelda tier list, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that was yeah, also that was a good funny. one, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you got, the, you, got, you got a good perspective on it, Josie. You just got to share it more and annoy more people. <laughs> I, just, work. I don't think that deeply about it. I just have a good time with a game, or I don't, and then I make a video. There you go. It's that's all time. it is. I, yeah, I and I... I think that's the way to do it. I do think sometimes I see these game journalists talk about like the meta contextual narratives. It's like, do you like it? Good. You hate it? Good. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. It's a game. It's a yep. game. You want to hurt some people though, Josie. Ocarina of Time's right there. <laughs> Go review that one. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever touch that game. I think I'd get like some crazy stuff. Nah, you got to okay. <laughs> You got to do it like a YouTuber apology video. Like walk in, sit down, take a side. 
Yeah, like I'm crying today. the whole time. Yeah, today we gotta talk about tears. I'm sorry, the tears I feel for Ocarina Time. I just, my only request, Josie, is you make a, a Mario Sunshine slander video. Oh, can do. I'll signal boost that uh, forever. Mario Sunshine, it just catches. Let's straight. go. Why? Why is why is gotta be Mario do. Sunshine? What happened? To the the, the sloppy history of Mario Sunshine. Man, she'll play it. No, she'll play it and she'll enjoy the game. Maybe. I'm curious. She'll like it. It's a good game. Uh, why? This is from Kay saying, why did we ever, why did we never get a proper gaming log for the Switch? Seems like it was a no-brainer since the Wii era. A gaming log? I don't know what that means. Like of all your histories? Like a history of all the games you played and everything? Oh, like, oh, okay. Like on the, on your Switch, you can go back and look at everything for the time spent or anything like that. I, I, I wouldn't mind Nintendo because you can also kind of look at like trophies and achievements and it kind of spells out a log as well i wouldn't mind if nintendo leaned into more of that community aspect with with just playing games accomplishments whatever you want to call it i know they're kind of adverse to it but they have their platinum points that's kind of like that where they give you missions and then you get platinum points but i wouldn't mind if they just went to a system wide thing that also attaches to your nintendo account Maybe maybe that's what they're working on with uh, DNA. Apparently, they're doing something that's going to bolster the Nintendo Online or Nintendo account. Maybe it's uh, accomplishments, achievements, medals, stickers. I don't know what they'd call it. It's Nintendo. They probably call it stickers or something, but uh, I wouldn't mind if they tried yeah. that. That'd be cool. Yeah, because on the Switch log, it like deletes after a period of time, too. Like If you started playing too many games, the ones at the bottom... Until you put the cartridge in again or play the game again, it doesn't show it on your activity oh. log. Yeah, no, so I think so like, that's kind of what a lot of people don't like. When I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, I wanted to see what my playtime on Breath of the Wild was, and I can't find my my cartridge for whatever reason, and I could never really figure out how much how much time I invested hmm. in the game. Is, is there a? And it's also it's not account wide technically, right? It's like it's only that system because I I put hundreds of hours in Splatoon two, and when I bought a new Switch, I bought the Switch OLED. It says I've never played Splatoon two. Is it just that because it's kind of a that's one of those games where you can't transfer your save file, right? So it's not attached yeah. to your the uh... timer is built into the Switch. I think it's not part of your account. Yes, yeah, that seems like the it's next tied into like the profile. Okay. Yeah, that mm. seems like the next level for them is to figure out the the community aspect not maybe not exactly like Meverse, but something that they can build on for tracking and accomplishments and all of that i think that'd be fun but what about voice chat yeah voice chat they gotta build <laughs> stuff that's out. the biggest thing that's i want olders, John. one step at a olders. time here okay olders, themes. I, voice I, chat. I, the the two things i want definitely voice chat and i do want to be able to send uh text messages to people it'd be cool to if i see sean <laughs> online Messaging. to just like, yeah, just send him a message and say, uh, David Hayter said I'm his best friend and you suck or something. <laughs> hey, David Hayter's a nice guy. I, I hung out with David Hayter for like 45 minutes. He, was he a cool buried dude. Sean for us, so they'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that clip. It was deserved. Uh, let's see. This, this is from DC Fat Cat. It says, what's everyone's favorite convention smell? I prefer the smell of musty plastic in the morning. Oh, God. No. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no favorite convention I smell. Well, I kind of have one, which is that since we, uh, as the guests, we get to go in there before it technically opens so we can wander around. I kind of like that super hardcore. They're mega blasting the AC to mm. cool it down before everyone comes in there and smells like dog shit. So when you go in there, that, that blasting AC smell is nice. It was it was nice to be able to get in there before everyone else kind of look around. So that's nice, nice, uh, nice perk to be able to do. We got to got to pick some stuff up. 
What you... the less the less convention smells, the better. <laughs> I feel like that is the nice thing. If TMG, we can we can head it like I said early, and uh, I know Max, you got it. What'd you get a Game Boy? I got a Game Boy, yeah, and I I ended up selling some of my GameCube games to to Mystic Brian. Oh, you end up you end up doing that? Like he, he was yeah. talked about? Okay, cool. He bought Good. he bought a, he bought a big chunk of my GameCube collection. Oh, my, he actually got my, him. Okay, my Mario Party games. He bought Chibi Robo off me. He bought a. Uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. I had a huge GameCube collection that's just been sitting on my shelf, and I didn't know they were valuable. At TMG, uh, <laughs> you saw me, that world. <laughs> me, Spawn Wave, and Mystic Ryan were walking around. There's all these giant price tags. I'm like, I have that game, and I paid five dollars. I'm not Mystic gonna Ryan. say what I'm not gonna say what Ryan bought, but he was uh, he, oh, he was yeah. he was out there swinging. So I'm sure oh, yeah. that's. I, I did see some photos of random uh, people on Twitter that were at TMG that ha- that posted like photos of prices. Hmm. Look, I know that retro gaming is expensive, but man, what's going on with these prices? Like, they just keep going up, don't they? Some of us, some of us made the smart investment, by the way. GameCube games, okay, just saying. Don't need gold. I have GameCube games. Just invested in that, and I, I apparently, I was the smart one. (laughs) Your kids, your kids' college tuition is paid for. Taken care of. Taken care of. There you go. This is the craziest thing. MVG is uh, (laughs) is at the convention. There were games that were out there for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and all day long people were walking up and buying them. Oh, I got Path of Radiance. Like that, it was crazy to see like these massive price tags on a game like, like uh, Rule of Rose, and you're like, "There's no way someone's buying that for eight hundred dollars." You come back an hour later, it's like, "Oh, it just sold." It's like, yeah, sure. they're all selling. I had Rule of Rose. I should sell. You know what game exploded in price, and I specifically remember stickering it way back in the day at the old store for like thirty bucks. Is Haunting Grounds on the PS2? Oh, dude, I've I've known that's been expensive for a while. I have a copy of that. Thirty some odd dollars back then. I remember this. How much is that selling for now? Because I bought mine for about a hundred. It was four hundred. I think four hundred. Yeah. It was crazy so that oh. stupid money but there were a lot of you know what was there a lot this year boxed complete game boy and game boy advanced games there are a lot of them and then like the the top tier stuff the pokemons the marios they were all there it was it was kind of cool to see them but i wasn't buying them <laughs> but yeah they people were, they not were... realize you can emulate what yeah well, that that was just that was also the craziest thing is that i'm i'm totally on on board of josie that was the weirdest thing is a lot of these were completed box sealed games for just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars and it's like man i don't know i put it on nso i, I would have played these games but keeping it on my shelf for a thousand bucks ain't worth it it's kinda... if only there was uh someone that we knew that knew about emulation yeah. that was yeah <laughs> uh, what can you do <laughs> it's the uh i guess it's the investment in assets i don't know I don't know. People said I was crazy for buying some of these GameCube games. Now look. I, I know. Now I look. bought a bunch of... I, my GameCube collection, I bought almost all of them for five bucks a piece. Okay, I didn't, just, I didn't buy them that cheap. <laughs> like, well, because they, they were just so worthless around the time the Wii came out. Oh, a yeah, lot of that yeah. GameCube stuff was worthless. And so I bought a bunch just because I was like, eh, play some of them. And so now Chibi Robo is worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I paid $5 for it. Wow. Like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell that. I still need to get what's that the, one. I would have bought most, that from you. What's the most expensive game? Is it still Gotcha Force or is it that uh, Pokemon? It's still Pokemon game. Box, I think. Mm, Pokemon Box, yeah. I think. I saw it there. It was two grand. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It doesn't do anything, by the way. Nothing. Doesn't do anything. So. Holy. It's just, it's just that. It's just, yeah. Just Pokemon Box. It's ridiculous, man. Otherwise, I think it's like Gotcha Force, Cubivore, Chibi Robo's getting up there. I think those are the basics. Yeah. Um, I have Gotcha Force, but I need, I need to get Cubivore at some point. You could buy so many things for that money. That's what I'm saying. A lot with that. 
I've, I'm selling my game collection and I'm going to buy a damn house. I realized how valuable, <laughs> walking around TMG and seeing those big price tags, I was like, I got those. Screw these games. I want a house. Yeah. I did get a Game Look. Boy Advance uh, AGS 101, though. Found one of those. Oh, nice. And it's actually, it, 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 the, the button, I think the left and, or left and up buttons are sticky, but the screen's like perfect. So I just got to clean that up. But they gave it to me cheaper. So uh, let's see. If Xbox buys Activision Blizzard, will PlayStation give in and divulge their dev specs to Xbox, or will they hold out like they did with Minecraft? Also, what could PlayStation do to make Xbox divulge their spec dev specs to PlayStation? Well, they already make MLB for them, so... Yeah, I mean, look, these hardware makers, they have dev kits of the competition. Because, like you said, MLB, like, I don't think this is... This is a, a big bunch of nothing. Yeah, I kind of I kind of see that, too, MG, because they're also going to make the destiny i assume for the next xbox yes yes so yeah there you go and uh i mean sony's not gonna withhold the playstation 6 from activision blizzard because again they 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 need call of duty so according to them they do i don't that that just seems like posturing i mean sure they can consider it i think that's what he said hey we might consider holding it back sure he's probably telling the truth on that but they're it's definitely posturing and I mean, look at look at the uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One. Very very similar specs, right? Look at the you know this generation PS5 and the Xbox Series. Yeah, there's some differences here and there, but they're very very similar in terms of architecture. Like it, it, that, that whole kind of narrative of well, you know, we're not going to divulge specs. I mean, when you've got AMD building chips for both both companies, they're going to be very very similar. Um, and I think that that was just kind of hot a, take. A weird, hot take a, from a non-developer. I miss yeah. the old days of the custom chips and the weird stuff. I do. I know. I know it's not great. I know developers probably don't miss it. I miss it. I think those are the fun days getting the emotion engine chip. You get flipper I, in the GameCube. I agree with you. Like, I feel like that's what made the PS2 such a great system. Um, and I feel like that's what made, you know, the GameCube such a great system. And, you know, like the, the, the differences in architecture were, was really, really a, a great thing because it really allowed developers to express themselves and it really made them learn the hardware in so much more granularity than what we have these days where you have these like middleware engines and stuff that that run and they don't run very well everywhere right like they have to be optimized so i I, i'm with you like i miss the cell processor i miss the emotion engine i miss kind of the quirky things that the different hardware makers had in their hardware over the years you know this week, a breakthrough was made regarding the PSVR 2 and potential unofficial PC support. It still has a long way to go, but will anyone on the cast give it a shot once the project is in a somewhat finished state? If they do release uh-huh. um, a driver for PSVR 2 for PC, I'll probably get one. Yeah, MG's in. All right, there we go. All right. I'll plug mine into the PC then and try it out. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, Yeah, I think one way or the other that's getting done. Sony's going to do it or the community's going to do it. and Someone will. Absolutely. And this is from DC Fatcat saying, can we all take a, a minute to hail Sir Nintendo, the most non-Nintendo Nintendo YouTuber on YouTube? That's for Sean. There you go. And he says, games like City Skylines and Kerbal Space Program aren't typically thought of as graphically intensive games, yet the recommended requirements for their sequels on PC are higher than usual. Do you think this due to the devs not focusing on optimization, or do they really need all that power? I think a lot of those games are very CPU intensive, especially, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of systems running at the same time. So I feel like that's probably why um, they're spec'd a little higher than than what you would think. Graphically, I mean, they're not really that much to look at, obviously, but 
but there is a lot of things going on. There is a lot of different objects running around on the screen at the same time. Um, a lot of systems that are running in parallel. I, I can see why that would be the case. And then Coleman asked, what was the worst year in gaming? The worst year? Yeah, in that's a great question. It's the worst. 2020. Because I... okay. of COVID. That's when they canceled uh, everything. Yeah. Pretty much. Whatever year Overwatch won Game of the Year. <laughs> Whatever year <laughs> that was. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I remember 2012 or 2013. I'm trying to remember. There was a year where we just got, I think when uh, there was that weird trend of when Ubisoft started making just really boring open world crap and Capcom didn't release anything and Square Enix didn't really drop anything. I had to look what, what the, the nominees were that year with Overwatch, but I, I'm kind of thinking, I remember seeing that winning game of the year and I was like, oh, really? That that one? Okay, I guess. But uh, it's it's hard on the spot for the worst year in gaming, mm. but you might yeah, be honest on Jesse with, with the, especially sometime around the COVID. I think the reason 2023 is looking so good is because we're, we're seeing a lot of games that were pushed back internally or publicly to fit in this, like this run of 12 months right now. So from that, but it's, uh, it's yeah. Like even know. on the switch, I mean, they came out with animal crossing and then everything else was canceled and then they were just quiet and they didn't, I don't really, I didn't have a PS4 or a, I had an Xbox, but Xbox doesn't really. Xbox sucks. You can say it. Whoa, whoa. Oh, no, man. I'm for you. That was the joke. <laughs> that was the joke during the Q&A at uh, too, too Many Games. Sorry. <laughs> so you just need to get Josie on Halo. Nah. Halo Infinite I played. It's a bad oh. game. It's a bad game? Kind of. Oh, man. Did you play the single player or the yeah. multiplayer? The single players. I didn't like the single players. It's so oh, boring. It's just it really the same is. thing it's over unfinished. and over. It's unfinished, John. It's an unfinished game. Well, we got to get on multiplayer. That's where the multiplayer is pretty fun, though. Get on multiplayer. It was fun. Did you play multiplayer, Josie? I played like once, but hop on. We'll carry you to victory. I got you. Okay, I'm we'll, down we'll for take, that. We'll that take you. We'll, okay. Sounds like a good time. It's not just you. Don't worry. MVG and Nate will be there too. And Sean's screen. Every time Sean gets a corpse on, he just goes, "Hey, help me! He help me!" Like freaks out. Yeah, teabagging. Everyone, teabagging. Uh, the the team can hop on the back. We'll 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 run it. It's fine. Uh, but that is that's the that's the podcast for tonight. Thanks everyone for joining us. Let me go around here. We got Max Dreamcast guy. Where can I find you? youtube.com slash dreamcast guy uh go watch my final fantasy 16 videos i've done a couple i love the game and i'm probably going to find a new way to suck it off later okay let's go over to josie we're going to find you uh you can find me at youtube at josie Woe. i just made a video about the original metroid i think it's a good time and yeah yep, go check that thank out thank you for having me got mbg Thanks for having me on. You can find me on Twitter at Modern Vintage G and YouTube Modern Vintage Gamer. Nate the Hate episode will be out today, or it's already out today uh, by the time this goes live. So check that out. Uh, video Monday. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Holiday. Make sure you check out the patreon.com slash spawncast. Get involved there. Thanks everyone for coming out. Too many games. It was a lot of fun to see people in person, put names to faces. It was a good time. We will be, oh, I'll definitely be going back next year. Uh, hopefully we get most of the spawn cast out next year. We will see all of it hinges on Sean and his three hour train ride. So what a lazy loser. <laughs> it's in on. Pennsylvania. Just yeah. a, is there a yeah, gas station a somewhere? What is it? What's that MVG? Just get a gas station involved. Somehow. Yeah. Just get a gas station. <laughs> yeah. Involved. 
Um, we'll we'll see. Again, it's twelve months from now. We'll see. We'll see how everything goes. But um, I'm I'm hoping for a good turnout there too. But thanks everyone for joining us. We will be back live next Saturday night, nine p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you guys then.